Welcome back, friends, fellow philosophers, and authors to this Wild Isle writing cast. I have back with me the venerable Captain Michael. How are you doing, Michael? I'm pretty good. You? I'm excited. I've been wanting to do this particular writing cast, particularly with you for a very, very long time. I'm hoping that we can ruffle many a feather, um, make, let's say, the, the weebs weep, from uh I, I can't even think of a fun way to say it but i'm sure you will through the course of our conversation today that's right we have finally uh why is the weeb always wrong uh but before we uh before we get into it i'm going to show some things really quickly so when this goes up uh my kickstarter campaign for juan smoke tales from the labyrinth should still be ongoing that is for the book covers if you would like to help me put covers on these books that I cannot afford because I am poor, you can help me out going over to my website. I've got a gigantic link there at wildislelit.com. Uh, you can show your support, uh, get on the backers list. Um, I'm giving out free copies for people who uh, donate both $50 and $100. And so uh, those will be signed. It'll be awesome. Please help out there. While you're there, if you're an author and you want to sharpen up your manuscript uh, with a style that combines elements from both uh, little literary fiction and pulp and whatever else nonsense that I happen to read way too much of, you can at the Wild Isle Style Guide, again, at wildislelit.com. Uh, while you're there, you can also check out my novel that is currently out, One Smoke Broken, a weird uh, fantasy novel that reads a little bit like uh, a Western combined with a literary novel in a fantasy setting. It's the quickest way I could describe it. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. First chapter's free. Again, on my website, wildislelit.com. Is there anything else I want to shill? I don't think so. Captain, is there anything that you'd like to shill out to the internet verse? Um, right now, I guess, if you want to check out my writing projects, uh, check me out on Minds, minds.com slash A-E-T-E-R-N-I-S. There's a daily writing question and a, quite a bit of my short fiction and a few first chapters from some of my novel projects. I don't have anything published for purchase at the moment, but if you want to see what I write, that's where you do it. And that's not because he's not productive and not talented. He's very productive and talented, but he's also a perfectionist. So go over, visit him on Minds, participate in the uh, writing discussions. I do every single chance I get there. Great. Um, and harass Harass him into into publication because we need we need to be able to pay this man for his excellent work. I'm serious about that. I've read a lot of Michael's stuff, and I it's really Thank really you. great. I always enjoy it. Yeah. Um, now, onto the topic for today. So, Michael, what? So when we say the weeb is always wrong, like what? Can you tell us the history of this? Because this is a, sure. a phrase. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so this the the concept of the weeb is always wrong is a, it's a principle that goes back to when I really started writing seriously in 2017. I of course did the stupid thing. I joined all the writing Discord servers I could at the time. And if you don't know anything about main writing Discord, it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Um, it's not a good place. And in a lot of these groups, I tended to see the same patterns. And I wrote down um, basically descriptions of what would happen, what are these patterns for myself and for my friends to kind of warn them about these things that keep happening. And one of them was the experience of these, what I would define as weeb writers, who would come to these groups all excited and they would be miserable within hours. And the reason they'd be miserable is because their expectations and the group's expectations were not at all aligned. 
And let's be honest, their writing was terrible. And the reason their expectations weren't aligned is because they expected people to praise their writing and they expected, um, essentially, they didn't expect that they would have things to improve on. And I noticed that there's a pretty much 100% overlap between this happening and people who, when I asked them what their favorite book is, they say they haven't read a book since high school and that they mostly watch anime and read manga. So that's where I started right. referring to it as the weave is always wrong instead of just bad writers are always wrong. Well, no, no, fair enough. Uh, I have also in my short time just kind of hanging around uh, mostly on minds. I'm a, I'm a little bit new to Discord, but I have seen this trend as well. Uh, I've got a couple different questions, and there are other questions. There's so many springboards. Um, so why is it that I bet you can pick which one you want to answer first because they kind of go together. My first question, I guess, is what is this problem really? Like, what is the actual issue that we are looking at? And then also, why it has this problem in particular come to exist, um, particularly in regard to the weeb? Because I do think um, the weeb, or if you're really old, I just had uh, a discussion with uh, another author about the term otaku, which basically doesn't get used anymore. Um, you know, why is it that the anime and manga fandom uh, when they come into, uh, let's say, literary circles, why is it that they, let's say, had all those problems that you listed? So that their writing was bad, that they haven't read in a long time, and that they expected just pure and raw praise? So there's a couple of things going on here, but I, I think I'd better start with answering neither of your questions and defining when I say weeb, what I mean by it. Because I don't mean somebody who's in an anime or manga fandom necessarily. My definition is a bit narrower than that. Uh, I, because this term is commonly used in a pejorative sense, I've just, when I say it, I'm referring to somebody who consumes this uh, anime and manga content. And sometimes there's actual literary content in this space, light novels and things like that. They consume all of that and they don't consume anything outside that space in their media diet at all. Uh, or if they do, it's very rarely and they have to be pulled into a kicking and screaming. So that's kind of a key to the problem there is that they have a very narrow understanding of storytelling that is heavily biased by visual storytelling. And when you see people coming into uh, text-only writing spaces from visual storytelling uh, only, and you see that their only experience with reading and watching and consuming stories is visual, you start to see some of these patterns. Now, I will go further and say that if somebody reads a bunch of let's say old comic books, old Marvel DC comic books from the 80s, and that's the only storytelling they've seen, they are better equipped to, uh, to write text novels than somebody who's watched anime of any generation. And that is something I kind of have a handle on, but I'm a lot less firm on. But it does seem to be focused specific, specifically excuse me, on the tropes and the patterns of anime and manga that don't exist in what we would call Western art and animation styles. Yeah, so you hit on two more uh, subpoints I had there, right? Because I, I, I wanted to know if you thought this was merely misapplied cross-medium. Um, let's say I have the word inspiration here. That's really perhaps not the right word, uh, but um, like cross-medium techniques uh, i'll probably figure out the the word 
that is proper as we go on. Um, but it seems that you just suggested it isn't just that. It's not merely the uh, the change in medium. But it's not the only thing. And I, I, I at first, when I was examining this problem, I thought that was the only problem, but it's not. And uh, I'll go back now and answer one of your other questions is, uh, how does this happen? And the answer is how it happens is that people come into writing from this visual storytelling medium, and this is a big part of why it happens. They don't, they don't internalize, they internalize the, um, the means that visual storytelling use to do things that are not based on the dialogue or the script. Um, and they internalize that as it just happens automatically in storytelling. For example, readers identifying with the characters is something that in, in an anime or in a manga is entirely based on how they're drawn not based on necessarily on their actions or on um, on their dialogue. It's based entirely on expressions and uh, visual cues. And that's common for, um, for visual storytelling. But you can't do that in a novel. And I think a lot of them assume that you can, that you just show the character and you make it clear this is the main character by whatever means they decide. And then the reader identifies with them because it's the main character. Who else are you supposed to identify with? Yeah, uh, I've definitely seen that issue where there are, and I covered this a little bit with Matt uh, back in our podcast called Spirit Channeling, where we talked about how there are, uh, let's say, things in operation. I think he in particular talked about uh, Western-style comics. Uh, he was dabbling in that. And then coming over to the uh, pure text literary form, there are just a number of things you're not considering until you get there uh, that make that actually you can kind of really struggle with that don't happen as a me, uh, as a secondary consequence of of the means uh, or medium, I should say. Uh, but then that still begs the question a little bit: What is it that is particular? What are the perhaps particular tropes of let's say um, Eastern comics or manga and anime as compared to we've got Western comics? But we could even stretch this to other visual. Uh, mediums as well, right? So we have animated films or just live action films uh, or uh, like video games. What sets uh, anime and manga apart when it comes to the uh, potential weeb author, um, you know, failing to grasp some of the, uh, the necessary, uh, let's say, elements of literature? So I think a big part of it is that the written novel um, in terms of its development, comes from uh, comes from essentially some things about literature and storytelling. They grew up in oral st storytelling in Greece, and this is you could go way back in the rabbit hole here. But essentially, Greek literature and Greek plays are where a lot of the tropes that we put in modern storytelling come from. And one of the big things in there is that there's the uh, kind of the wrestling. Uh, uh, between a character's internal agency and their fate. Um, and this is something that Western storytelling plays on very heavily. Characters are, you know, this is especially in fantasy where you see a lot of the weeb writers. You see a lot of the, the storytelling is focused on the, the pull between uh, somebody's choices and their destiny. Um, and that's very ancient. That's, that's almost as old as written literature is. In fact, it may be older than written literature is. Um, certainly as far back as uh, as then. Eastern storytelling doesn't have that. 
Eastern storytelling uses a very different set of conventions and a very different set of tropes. And one of the things that it tends to uh, have is that um, a story is less about what decisions people make in Eastern storytelling. That doesn't necessarily mean the decisions aren't important, but that they aren't the hinge of the story necessarily. Um, and this is a potential problem. I'm not, again, I'm speaking a very broad brush. This isn't true of all, I'm talking about the general characteristic of Eastern storytelling. And when that happened, when you, when you try to take these tropes and go um, written in English, right? English is by definition a language tied to the cultural um, paradigms of the West and English literature is tied to the paradigms of Western literature. And when you try to pull in that stuff, even if you're a very intelligent person who knows what he's doing, there's some stuff that's going to be very difficult to translate easily just because of the difference in how implied meanings work between languages. Now, obviously, most of these weeb writers don't know Japanese. They don't know Chinese. They don't know Korean. They've listened or watched or read these things in translation. And what happens is I suspect a lot of them, a lot of this stuff loses content, loses meaning in translation. So the layers of depth in the dialogue, for example, and I'll get to dialogue later, trust me, there's a whole thing about that there, is lost in the translated, uh, the dub or the sub that they're consuming. And yeah, um, they just assume that's how literature is because it's all they have. And you see actually a lot of American anime has that sort of thing going on. And trust me, I've been forced to see a lot of it where the dialogue is actually very poorly constructed as if it was a bad translation. And people just sort of say what they mean without any, any emotional baggage, any layers, it just sort of happens. And they assume that you'll get it based on the, the visual appearance of the characters, you'll pick up any extra meaning, which is how it is in something that's translated. Yeah, so I can uh, contribute a little bit. So in terms of the translation issue now, um, I haven't done, taken Japanese since high school. Uh, I didn't go into it too much, but I do know enough to know that some of that, particularly with Japanese, is definitely going to be um, an issue. Um, so the Japanese are infamous for not explaining themselves well at all. Um, and it's like this, it's this weird cultural thing that um, it, you will even see this in live action uh Japanese drama, where a lot of the drama is facilitated, like we, we do this in the West with Western dramas, but with the Japanese, it's like a whole nother level of like, you know, it'd be like if someone broke down your front door and then like broke your, your, your mother's glass table and then she comes home and you don't tell her what happened and, and then you're punished for it. Like, like that level of non-communication. And um, I do, I have seen that come across in uh yeah. some dialogue and I, translation go ahead sorry i was gonna say i have um my primary exposure to how this works in the japanese language is actually from world war ii histories and they always talk about this that uh, especially back in the you know in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s japanese culture was heavily based on communicating by euphemism and by understatement and by not actually specifically saying something that's uncomfortable or not desired so when you have dramas that are written this way. You have people who are talking in so deep levels of euphemism that Japanese would understand. Yeah. But if you translate that literally to English, it's going to lose a lot of detail because English doesn't have that 
think Americans are straightforward. British people, to some extent, are the same way. Um, we say what we mean, or at least we try to say what we mean. And uh, losing that level of detail loses a lot of content. So the dialogue becomes um, broken almost. It's losing layers and layers of, of what should be there. Yeah, certainly when it's stripped outside of the context. Right now, I'm I'm working my way through uh, the novel Musashi. It's this gigantic, thick literary tome. Uh, it's actually really well written and really well translated. A lot of that has to do with um, the historical figures um, and the the nature of you know they're naturally interesting. Um, the figure of language is actually pretty good. It's I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, but the characters do the thing that we just described. And if you take it out of the context of um, like the, you know, post-warring states, Japan, it probably wouldn't work. And that really might be a bit of where the, um, the problems come in, not just on the level of the medium between anime, manga, and uh, literature, but I think it's the cultural context because I my experience, and tell me if your experience is different. Western anime and manga fans are still very much uh, individualistic in their mindset. They, they're they're not like Japanese people, right? They, so, like when they when they go in to, to write something, they've got these hangovers from, let's say, the Japanese media that they have consumed, um, but they are superimposing that on top of like a, a Western structure. And that might be what's causing the, the dialogue to come out so broken because it's 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 taking something from its wrong environment and wrong context and then super implanting it. That might be certainly part of it. Um, one thing that I do see there is these are people who often are very knowledgeable about the surface level items of Japanese culture or if they're a fan of Korean manga or Korean culture. Um, you know, uh, they, they're familiar with the surface level stuff. For example, if it's a fantasy, the names for various weapons or types of armor or um, the names of various mythological creatures and their, you know, their various mythological capabilities. They know this, but they don't know much about the, the cultural milieu that it, that grows out of. And the result is that they more or less treat it as a uh, sort of a shallow reskin of a Western fantasy. Um, when they're consuming this content that is that is in the genre they like. And maybe they get something out of it that way, but that's not the way it was intended. Yeah, that's difficult to get right. So that kind of, you know, asks another question. Why did they come to this literary space to begin with, right? You would expect, like when I was in high school and in middle school, so this is when, you know, to watch anime, you were using some, uh, you know, torrent, file, you know, downloading it, and it was like fan dubbed, right, back in the day. Uh, people who were into manga and anime typically started by drawing manga. There are tons and tons and tons of how to draw manga books everywhere. Um, and you, you'd think that's where they would go, and that's where they went you when I think... was younger. But go ahead. They don't go there, because the difference between, and I, I, this is my theory, uh, you can see if you think it's correct, that Learning to draw seems too much like work. <laughs> Whereas you can string sentences together that if you just unfocus your eyes and look at it, looks like a page of a novel. 
but you can't do that with the drawing. You can immediately see if the person is skilled or not, even with what I would describe as very stylized and very time-saving animation styles, like the style used in many anime. Although, Captain, are we saying the weaves? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna don't worry. I'm gonna throw myself under the bus here in a second. But are we saying the weaves are talentless hacks, and they just went into the the place that seemed to be the easiest to enter? <laughs> I would say more particularly that there are people who under who understand that animation requires talent and think that writing doesn't require talent. These are people who aren't talentless. They're people who have no interest in developing a talent, and that sounds mm -hmm. harsh. I have talked to probably a hundred of these people. I wish I hadn't. <laughs> okay, so we're just saying that they're lazy. By the way, I agree with you. Um, to be frank, uh, you know, there's here. Here, I'll throw myself under the bus, and then I'll I'll, I'll be harsh along with you. So, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I played way too many video games, and that's one of the things that I wanted to do and wanted to get into, right? But what ended up happening was. Uh, you know, you, as you go into high school and you start to see where your talents actually are, um, I I would not have made for a good coder. Um, I went in the artistic direction to see if I could do that. And I was terrible, right? Like, not just terrible as in like, oh, I need to work at it. It's just my visual imagination is very poor. Um, my ability to draw is not there. Uh, and I had given up on the idea of going into really anything that I wanted to. I went to undergrad for exercise physiology, thinking I was going to go to grad school for physical therapy. Um, but but um, I had always done really well in writing, um, like writing essays in particular. And that is that was my little notch into writing. And I, I sucked at it when I got there too, by the way. So any of the weaves who happen to be listening, uh, even though I'm talking about video games, I did like anime quite a lot, but that, you know, finding out that I couldn't draw meant I was definitely not getting into animation and uh, comics or manga or anything of the sort. Um, but I actually did happen to have a little bit of talent that I had to spend six years writing and then have a flop of a terrible novel after coming out of grad school and then to develop myself further. So, um, yeah, I think we can probably call them, uh, well, it might be too harsh to say that they're lazy. It might be more correct to say that they misunderstand. Uh, how do I like to say it? The bar to entry into writing is incredibly low, but the learning curve is so precipitously high that a lot of the times people don't even notice it's there. Yeah. And what I would say is they're not people who are lazy necessarily. They're people who have tremendous energy and tremendous enthusiasm, but are really, really, really uh, hesitant to do anything that they aren't enthusiastic for. They're people with um, variable work ethic uh, and very low impulse and when you don't have impulse control, you don't have the ability to, uh, for example, like for example, these people don't. In my experience, they generally don't edit. They write something, they feel good at the end of it, and then they just post it out there and expect applause and medals and a ticker tape parade because it felt good to finish it. The fact that somebody else has a different experience reading it is something they just couldn't bother to think about, and. So they, they do have the work ethic to do this as long as it feels good to do. And that's an important thing to keep in mind is these people aren't 
necessarily lazy. I'm sure some of them are. When you're talking about weeb writers, you're talking about people who are often young men, usually younger than 25, um, sometimes late teenagers even. And these are people who have a lot of energy and a lot of desire to do something, but they have not internalized the idea that honing a talent takes a lot of things that aren't fun. And I think that's yeah. kind of where it comes down to is that when you criticize their stuff, they get mad at you because it's not fun to fix that. And up till this point, it was fun. Yeah, I saw quite a lot of that. Um, so I want to say something very weeb in response. Maybe it counts as weeb. So uh, I have a background training in a uh, very traditional Chinese martial art, and it was like brutal. Um, it was a bit like going through boot camp. Um, and But the reason I bring it up is one of the things that we had uh, learned or cultivated, I like to use the word, was discipline. And so perhaps, you know, I'll throw this out to any of the weebs out there. One of the, you'll notice this, by the way, for most, well, I don't know about any more, but if you look at any of the, you know, well-lauded anime or manga, the protagonists um, go through some rigorous training period where they have to cultivate their abilities. I don't know, like, let's use, this was popular when I was a kid and I liked it when I was little. Uh, it was like the Dragon Ball series. How, like, how many long stretches of, of you know, milked, hundreds of episodes they spend training in like a gravity capsule or the hyperbolic time chamber. You too, my my fellow weebs, must spend time training in the hyperbolic time chamber. Um, if you're young, it means that you have time um, and you'll want to use it like right now. Learn about, if you want to get into writing, because perhaps maybe you were like me, maybe you're not a natural artist um, and you can string together sentences. Well, you can potentially get pretty decent at it. It's a, it is a high learning curve, but I, like I said, it's a lower bar to entry. Fewer people are hardline excluded from the ability to learning to write well. And I would say, um, you know, be be ready to to suck for a long time. You're going to be doing a lots and lots of literary push-ups, uh, <laughs> right? Um, but. But but I think you're right to say that it's a lack of discipline. Um, it is, and well, here's a question: Why is there such a particular lack of discipline amongst this particular uh, crowd coming into writing? Right? Because again, there's always a question with this topic: Why is it specifically the weebs? What is it about weebery that lends itself to, let's say, in this case? Uh, despite lots of energy, not a lot of discipline. I think part of it is just that a lot of them are young men. Young men lack discipline just on average. That's not the only thing, though. There's plenty of young, younger men who have discipline. Um, I think a lot of it is that these are, and again, this is me generalizing heavily. I'm sure there are people that are not in this crowd that I would still describe as weep writers. These are people who are young and either failure to launch style you know, type people who have, um, they don't have a trade. They're hitting their early mid twenties. They're still living at home in their parents' house, or maybe they are living, you know, they're couch surfing with somebody else. They don't really have a path forward in life. And they spend a lot of time consuming this content where in a lot of this content, discipline is not the first step to success. 
what you see, especially in a lot of the modern um, isekai stuff, and I use that word um, hesitantly, I don't like it, is that the the hero is a misfit. He's sort of down on his luck, and he's transported into a world where all of his failings in his world, all the things that punish him where he comes from, are suddenly things that uh, give him success. And I'm not saying this is all isekai. This is a lot of isekai. It's a wish fulfillment thing. And that's a very dangerous story to have in your head because what you do if you have that as your primary story for how people succeed is you're not looking to improve yourself. You're looking to change your environment until you find one where you just succeed automatically. And then they expect once they succeed automatically, then they're going to eventually encounter a challenge they can't uh, beat. And then it's time for the discipline. So they've got it entirely backwards where they're looking for an environment where they already succeed. And that's writing is one of the things that they go into. I'm sure some of them do dabble with animation, with drawing, with coding of games, things like that. But those things, the barrier to entry to actually succeed in producing something somebody can look at is much higher. They probably don't get as far in that as they do with writing. And when they come to writing a book, they see, oh, this people succeed at this, people are rich at this. My first novel doesn't have to be a million dollars, but people just have to like it, and then I'll write another one. And that's the, the isekai mindset is it doesn't have to be good. And I see this a lot. They don't actually seem to think the audience expects their work to be good. They expect people will buy it when it's not. So anytime you say it's not good, they get mad at you because they go, the audience doesn't notice that is a phrase more than half of them tell you. Readers don't notice that. Readers notice that, especially yeah. when a weeb writer is saying it, the, the reader notices that it's one of the first things. Yeah. And also if the right, if the uh, reader isn't noticing it, you've done something really, really wrong. Um, th that, that statement, the reader doesn't notice that, that, rem you, know, you know what that is, this is perhaps a really funny connection, but that's like, um, sort of, uh, real communism's never been tried. It's like the same sentiment, right? Like it's, um, you know, okay, well, like when I do it, it's going to work and all the problems are just going to get solved because I'm doing it and that's it. And I didn't notice any problems, so there can't be any problems. There's no uh, graphene on the roof, comrade. Like that's the uh, that's the same spirit. I know it's kind of a funny comparison, but it that's... Uh, it's not a terribly funny comparison. Um, if you look into the politics of weeb writers, um, yeah, these are... It's the same meme as to why uh, you don't argue with anyone on Twitter. Uh, not that I'm on Twitter, but even I know that. You don't argue with somebody on Twitter with an anime avatar. Their politics are hilarious. You just don't do it. And it's the same problem in writing. When you're encountering a weeb writer, it's somebody whose basic understanding of the world doesn't match with how the world is. And that can lead to wacky politics, but it also leads to a weird understanding of what a consumer is and what you should be doing in terms of your craft of writing and what level of quality is acceptable to a paying customer. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, to, to the, the weave out there who might say that, like the reader won't notice this. Uh, what I would say is, okay, the only circumstance where the reader won't notice it because they're reading words on a page one at a time arranged in sequence down paragraphs. So the only way they don't notice something is if they skim and skip it. And why does that happen? Because it does happen. Why do readers skim? Well, readers start skimming when their eyes start glazing over because it becomes too 
annoying and painful to continue reading something that they find either repugnant or that they start they start to feel totally apathetic about right like so yeah, yeah. if the reader if the reader is not noticing that's a problem um i want to tie this all oh go ahead go ahead sorry that the reader the reader noticing doesn't necessarily mean what the weeb writers think it means I'm sure it's been discussed on previous podcasts here, but the concept of a reader immersion is something that your average weeb writer doesn't understand. The, the reader being broken out of immersion is the reader noticing something, whether they can articulate what it was or not, noticing a problem. And your average weeb writer's work achieves immersion never. It doesn't start, it doesn't break because you're never in it. And the reason for that is because, again, they're they're coming from a more visual medium where you don't the, the the concept of immersion works differently in visual storytelling, and it's very difficult to maintain uh, immersion. That's probably the hardest thing about learning to write is maintaining reader immersion. And when you try to explain this concept to them, you get blank faces and glassy eyes, and they're elsewhere. The concept just never occurred to them. And when it starts sounding hard, they get mad. Readers don't care about that. They just want to see cool characters, cool, uh, cool characters with cool powers chucking planets at each other or something along those lines. And uh, that's not the case. Yeah. The whole point of reading fiction is immersion. That's why we read fiction. We don't always achieve it, which is unfortunate, but fiction, good fiction should achieve it. Yeah, that gets into a difference between I've got like a list of conventions I eventually wanted to get into, but we'd dabble into it now. So uh, because I went to grad school and I use pretentious language, uh, I'm going to use the word uh, they refer to this as um, essentially uh, interiority. Right. So this is an emphasis on psychology. And um, a lot of times you could, you know, a bad writer does this really clunkily. And so it, it perhaps has a bad impression. But what I mean is that what you choose to describe so that goes all the way down to the level of narrative perspective to actually uh let's say the character's thoughts and feelings to the way that perhaps even a narrator uh imparts subjectivity onto what would otherwise be the description of objects right all of those things um they simulates not the right word. I was going to almost use the word emulate. That's also not the right word. Maybe you have it, but I'll use the word simulate for lack of a better term. What it's like to experience the world as a, as a human subject. And that is where, like, that's something you can do with literature that you actually cannot do in a lot of visual mediums because you are, you're, you're presented with instead of presented with like uh, the conception and the definition, like the words, you're presented with an image, which is almost too similar to how we experience uh, the world, right? Like I see a table. And so all of the subjective information of that table comes from my perception of how it's uh, depicted visually. But with a book, I, you can actually inform the person if like the table looks sinister for some reason, like if it almost looks like it 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 wants it's like got a slight tilt that it wants to like tip over your damn wine glass at this fancy dinner and like screw you over um so so that's what i think of when i think of the what's what's missing from anime and actually from anime and manga in particular i don't i i think even compared to western visual mediums 
that level of, um, let's say, interiority, that level of subjectivity is even less important. I don't know if it's due particularly to cultural reasons, but I have this uh, this notion. Maybe you know why, or I could explore it a little bit more. Um, I have some theories as to why. I don't claim to have all the answers. I'm expert on Eastern cultures. Uh, but well, if you'd like me to explain, okay. I could. Or you, I I'll thought hit, you were going to go first. Oh, no, I'll pitch something and then you can tell me what you think and, and what ideas that you have. So, you know, when I think of a lot of anime and manga, like uh, one in particular that was actually really, really uh, influential to me that I really enjoy, but very much did not explore this interiority, at least not, it didn't do it in the way that a novel would do at all, is something like Fully Cooley. Now, Fully Cooley is very abstract. Um, it's almost nonsensical and um, it requires, it essentially requires you to be a very sophisticated minded person to pick out any sophistication in it. Otherwise, it's just wany, zacky madness, right? Um, now, it reminds me a little bit of um, abstract art and you kind of have to know a little bit, actually. The truth is you have to know a lot about Japanese culture to understand. Again, it's embedded within a particular context. Uh, and I think that's true for a lot of anime and manga. So I know I just kind of babbled around the place, but I think I can straighten it out. So anime and manga, typically, the particularly the Japanese stuff, that's what I'm familiar with. I know there's a lot of Korean stuff out there that's also popular, but I just, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just too old. Uh, but it is a lot more unapologetically Japanese culturally. Um, and what that means is we have that contextual problem that I mentioned earlier. And because we have that contextual problem, a lot of the interiority, a lot of the subjectivity that would be communicated just isn't because they just assume you're Japanese and you get it. Um, yeah. and then, and then beyond that, um, there are a lot of times with anime and it comes, I think actually is second to the art style in particular, because, uh, you know, again, particular to the Japanese, they like to do things that, uh, are superficially roughly the same, uh, like, uh, an easy example comparison from anime and manga, the styles across are, are very similar. They do not vary anywhere near as much as Western animation varies. Um, same thing is true for once they had like the, uh, the uh, Uchigatana shaped sword, like the saber-esque sword. They just stuck with that design basically forever. Even if they changed things about it that changed its utility, they like made it look the same. Um, now that particular style that the Japanese stick with with anime and manga is not very exp uh, expressive. Right. And so yeah. you you lose a ton of, uh, again, the ability to subtly communicate a lot of things. Right. There's just not a lot of uh, subtle communication with uh, in terms of emotional uh, affect, I guess, would be the proper word for that. Right. In the in the yeah. Eastern style. And that's about as much as I can say on that, I think. I will say that what I've analyzed from this, and this is by no means a a peer-reviewed explanation, this is my own personal theory, is that um, when you're dealing with Japanese culture and Korean culture, and to some extent Chinese culture as well, their storytelling is sort of like what we'd call, um, we refer to, we have this concept, the inside joke, where somebody says something, and it's funny if you're in the in crowd, 
and it's not funny, and it just seems like random if you're not in the in crowd. A lot of their storytelling is based on that, not for the purposes of humor, but for the purposes of that subjectivity, right? You understand because of these little cultural inside jokes, though they're not jokes, they're very serious, that are put into the uh, the storytelling to give you the idea of the interiority of the, you know, the, the, the psychology of the characters as they're going through these things. Even if their characters are really nothing like you, they are Chinese, Japanese, or Korean. Uh, even if they are some wacky creature that isn't even human. Um, Western culture and Western literature is, I'm going to use this word. It's not going to be, people are going to be like, why you use that word? Western literature and Western culture is evangelical. It, its entire purpose is to give somebody an eye into the world and the psychology of somebody that they are not. And it's, it's not there to share inside jokes with people who know all of the, all of this. It's there to bring a new experience to somebody who hasn't had it, a new cultural context or a different spin on the same cultural context in some cases. So you don't get a lot of that. That, that nuance is used in different ways. And the average American weeb sees all this inside joking stuff and it goes whoosh right over their head. And they say, it's just like, it's con it's a bunch of gaps in the story that they say, well, clearly nothing is needed there because all the stuff I've consumed doesn't have it. And rather than analyzing, hey, why is Western literature so dense compared to what I perceive of this Eastern storytelling framework? Because they're not, one isn't more dense than the other. They're missing huge parts of it. And that simplicity, I think, that perceived simplicity, I do think appeals to them because it's, it is simple. It is almost, it, when you redo, remove those elements, it becomes almost like children's storybook level of complexity, except that it's with adult themes in terms of the, the surface level stuff with characters who are often adults with adult problems like romance and um, uh, violence and things like that. So you essentially, they're, they're um, misreading these stories to be this simplicity and this storybook level uh, landscape when it's not. And that's, I think that's a major problem in this area. It's not that Eastern literature doesn't have that. It's that it is, it's a tight loop of these references that the, the Western imitator doesn't recognize. And just because they don't recognize them, they don't go and figure out what it is. They just, it goes over their head and they forget it. And it's just not in their brain. I think that's exactly right. I actually really like your use of the word evangelical because it is a giving a message to the, the foreigner to the outsider, right? And you're absolutely right that within the East, and it really doesn't matter where in the East, whether it's like India or China or Japan. Uh, again, my, my knowledge on Korea is non-existent, but they tend to have a lot of crossover. So I imagine it's the same. But yeah, they, they do not care to explain anything to you at all. I actually know this quite well now. Uh, I've been studying a lot of East Asian texts for a while. So, um, you know, for the people who follow, I, I don't think anyone bothers to read them. And no, there's no, uh, let's say, expectation I have. I do this really for me. But I've gone through and I've been um, writing on the Tao Te Ching and the Zhongzi and the Four Books of Confucianism. I'm going through the Dhammapada right now. Um, and I also read the Hagakure. And um, I, I've read a couple of other books um, that are compilations of the writings of uh, Takuan Soho, who's a Zen Buddhist monk. 
And yeah, they don't, with the exception of Takuan, who was considered a weirdo. So like he's the odd man out uh, very much in the way that like uh, if you start reading like German philosophy and then you read Nietzsche, you realize like Ger or Nietzsche is not very German. Takuan was not very Japanese. Well, he was Japanese, but he he was a little bit more open and plain with how he explained things. It fit a little bit more. So he's an exception. But for the rest of it, um, no, they don't care. Like they care zero percent if you don't if you don't get it. Like it's it's like hyper confusion. It's like well if you don't you know understand then like you need to you know better yourself and like and 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 yeah I th I do think it does make the stories read uh, very I like I, I kind of I like it too much that you use a word like a child's book right like it it it, it removes any depth so if you the reader. Uh, or imbiber, I guess in this case, a consumer of the anime or manga are not uh, not very, I don't want to say very deep, that sounds like uh, just a bit of pretense. If you're not someone who has bothered to, I don't know, self-reflect and think about the grand scheme of your life and the significance of your existence on this earth and, uh, you know, your, your purpose and meaning, right? If that, if you haven't been woken up to that, if you're, uh, sleepwalking, uh, you know, watching anime, like an opiate, uh, which, you know, you talk about er, early to mid to late teens, early twenties, like, yeah, that happens. That happens quite yep. a lot. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're gonna, you're going to read the manga Vagabond, which is uh, based on the novel I'm chipping away through in Musashi. And you're not going to understand um, what Musashi is doing by pursuing an ascetic life in pursuit of excellence. Um, and you're just going to think he's a badass samurai when you're not going to get like the scene where he's bathing in the river, reflecting on all his failures. Right. And like how it's like, OK, here, you know, I let I let my envy for other people's, um, you know, well-being get in the way. Um, I, I've still got so much to learn. I, I'm not like, he, you know, he's struggling interior like in, with his own interiority. In fact, I challenge any. Uh, any weeb who is upset, I really hope there are weebs listening to this, and I really hope you're angry. <laughs> I challenge you go read the go read Misashi. Like if you just get through it, even if you don't understand it, I'll be impressed. But I want to see if they can get through. It. And here's why: because you actually now, if you know a lot about Japanese culture, you read Vagabond, and you you'll get it. But you have to already know, like we just said, like it's not evangelical. When you read the the novel. The novel is so incredibly slow that a lot of the time they don't even show the duels because the duels aren't what are what are important, right? Like the yep. fights are not are not the key. It's the psychological and relational consequences of the characters as a you know uh, I already used the word consequence, but I'll use it again. So no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, in the East, they don't they don't explain. I will say sorry. What you're talking about, what's important there. Is what every weeb writer invariably doesn't care. About. Sorry, doesn't care about in their own writing. I don't know. It's my microphone and ink up there. Um, what what they seem to think is that it's they focus on the stuff that would look flashy if you put it on a screen. The fights, the the romances, um, potentially more than the romances. Uh, a lot of them spend an inordinate amount of time writing sex scenes between two characters who just feel like um, plastic it. Um, you know, action figures being mashed together while they make kissy noises. Um, they do this, and this is because those are the scenes that were emotionally gratifying to them to write. It's got nothing to do with whether that actually 
is mimicking the anime. That's the part of the anime or the manga they remember. So because that's the part they remember, that's the part they're going to spend most time on. But that may not be the important part. Um, there's a whole lot of uh, other works. You say, you know, for example, Musashi. I would even say uh, the is a Chinese novel, I believe, called Journey to the West. And if one of them could read it and tell me what it's about without talking about a single action scene, I think they would actually begin to understand the problem that they have. Because it's not, if you read Journey to the West, and I've not read the whole thing, so don't, don't get me wrong on this. I have not read the whole thing. But it's not about um, action. There's a, a supposed adventure that's happening, but it's very episodic with the characters. And uh, the primary focus is on interior conflict and interior understanding of one's own limitations and one's own struggles. Um, and it, again, this is a very old piece of literature, but it doesn't actually make any attempt to, um, to sort of evangelize, to get anybody else to understand the perspective if you don't get the cultural context it's coming out of. And if you don't do your external research, like you said, to, um, to understand that, there's giant sections of that where just like the characters just, you either read them as cardboard cutouts who just do things because they do things, or you you just, there's, there's big sections that are just empty. And I, obviously, if if we're talking about people who, who read these things from the American perspective, you really have to investigate why a lot before you understand what's going on. And it would be really cool, actually, to see somebody try to write from an American understanding Chinese or Japanese culture, try to write something using those cultural con those those rules from the American context. The sort of shared inside joke understanding of things could be a very efficient way of telling a story, but it's also really hard to break that evangelical mindset of Western literature. So being able to do that would be probably one of the hardest tasks I could think of. But they're not I think going we to. See... We're not talking about people holding no. Well, if they did that, they would essentially be doing what um, I think some myth does, right? Because if you, the further you go back, the more efficient storytelling kind of had to be, particularly once it was yep. in the uh, oral tradition. And you'll notice that they don't explicitly tell you what the hero's values are, which is why a lot of time ancient heroes, particularly ancient Greek heroes, seem kind of villainous to the the modern person. Because, yep. you know, unless you go, you know, again, this is the same thing. If you go and read uh, like Plato and Aristotle, um, as much as an evil wizard but as Plato is, you'll at least understand why the heroes are the way that they are. And I know that there are the pre-Socratics and the, um, what are they called? Um, I can't remember the proper name for them, but they would essentially tell different versions of the myths to each other um, in the, uh, I think it was in the Agora. But uh, but yeah, like if you, you go back and read that, you'll understand. But, you know, so I, I don't think they're going to do that. Journey of the West is a really good example, though. I don't want to let that go because I haven't read the whole thing. And I know it gets kind of repetitive, just like a lot of ancient stories do. Um, and it's not super ancient. I think it's only like, a thousand years old at the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things you'll notice is that the fight scenes typically in Journey to the West are poems. Um, like they're literally written in Chinese verse. Like uh, mm -hmm. they, they don't translate that great because that's what happens when you translate poetry typically. 
But um, I think that's that's one thing that's significant, right? Because what that says is that even the ancient Chinese thought, we don't want to just show you some flashy action scene because that doesn't work. So what they do is they um, tried a different method, which is to impart uh, emotionality and interiority and experience through uh, the art of verse into um, what would otherwise be, you know, flashy action. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's one bit for Journey to the West. And if you're going to read it and you're daunted by how long it is, uh, oh, weebs out there, just get to the end with Sun Wukong. I'm going to um, actually, if if you want, you can like skip ahead a minute in the podcast if you're listening to the recording of this. Uh, but I do want to tell talk about the um, the very last challenge of Sun Wukong, because this is what convinced me to just to read Journey to the West. And I want to finish it. I just have way too many other things that I'm reading right now. But uh, with Sun Wukong, he uh, has to be corralled because he's causing all kinds of problems. And so they send after him, I think it's one of the bodhisattvas, who's essentially like a, a, a Buddha who has, uh, I think, returned uh, from enlightenment. And this bodhisattva um, makes a bet with Sun Wukong. And he says, okay, you can go free if you can jump out of my reach. And Sun Wukong at this point has like, I don't know, 10 times immortality and like all kinds of superpowers and magic spells. And so uh, so he's like your archetypal anime hero, right? He's like overpowered to the nth degree. Um, the, the Dragon Ball Z characters being overpowered are based on Sun Wukong being overpowered. That's actually how that happened. Yeah. So he, he leaps into the air and he like leaps out to something that almost sounds like the pillars of creation, you know, that celestial body like way out in mm -hmm. the... Far and it can't be that because they couldn't have seen it, but it sounds like that. And when he gets there, he decides, okay, I'll take a break. Um, he graffitis one of these pillars and like pisses on it, <laughs> and then he proceeds to jump back, you know, thinking, okay, well, I won the bet, I'm gonna go rub it in this guy's face. And he comes back and he sees the bodhisattva, the bodhisattva holds up his hand, and on one of his fingers, there's graffiti and a little tiny wetness from a, a, a monkey piss on his fingers. And then he proceeds to literally uh, drop a mountain on Sun Wukong as punishment. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what that means, but uh, but that is a little, you know, that is that is Journey to the West. That is something that if you can understand why that makes sense, like if you if you can read that a weeb and then get it, uh, it's not even that hard to get. Actually, that one's pretty easy. Um, but then, then perhaps you are qualified to now, uh, let's say, take your anime and manga inspirations, which are likely from these cultures, and and try to bring them into your literary uh, adventures, your your writing. Uh, does that sound like a fair challenge to you, Captain? Yes, I think that's a very fair challenge. Um, and you don't have obviously that's a that's a other of this literature that is worth digging into. Um, and I will I will give this as an example, though it isn't from Eastern. Um, one of the big formative experiences in my own career to actually becoming somebody who writes seriously was reading through and actually doing a deep study into Don Quixote, the, the Spanish novel. Um, it's obviously Western, so it's it's in the Western context, but it's outside of the English language context enough that there's a lot there that really has to be dug into to the point where you can spend a long time with a large group just talking about a couple of pages of that novel. And it's very long. Um, highly recommend, by the way, excellent novel. 
Um, but when you read these things and kind of understand where they're coming from, you can take away things that are actually were put there by the author and you can use them in a different context. For example, you could take things out of these animes that were put there for the inside joke audience, Japanese or Korean or Chinese culture, and you can bring them to American culture and you can produce that, you can have them there and it will seem very interesting because it is something that you're doing, then you're doing the, you're doing both. You're bringing the inside jokes from the inside joke circle and you're bringing them to the group that likes literature that evangelizes and you're sharing it with them. That is totally something you can do and it's it's very rarely done, but when it do, is done well, it is done very well. And I think what's sad, the ultimate tragedy is these weebs are in a position where with a little bit of work ethic and a little bit of discipline, they could really do that. It might take years, but they could do something that was very, very important in terms of the, the, the literary landscape of the West because they have this deep association with something that is not in the West. But you need the discipline to do it and they don't, whenever you kind of talk about this, when it sounds like work, those eyes go glassy, they're gone, they're elsewhere, thinking about what they're going to do next that's not this. And that's frustrating to me because I like to see things done well, even if it's not something I would have done, especially if it's not. And seeing something done badly just because it was something to do is very frustrating, as you might imagine. Yeah, yeah. This kind of takes us back around. I wanted to... to go into it a little bit more of the, the isekai problem. It reminds me of a conversation I've had recently with a Christian pastor on this podcast, and we were really talking about um, what I like to call Towers of, of Babel, or uh, sometimes uh, I, I get funny about it and call them uh, Kulikons. So if you've ever played The Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, the main bad guy is trying to basically build an, uh, a giant robot tower of Babel to take over the world by making everyone into uh, single-minded zombies, which... Yeah, so there, there are some parallels. But what I mean by that, when I call these things the these uh, Towers of Babel, it's that changing the environment that you mentioned before that is so um what's the right word that, that is so common in isekai right like the idea of being whisked away to another world so that other world um right so uh people who fixated on this um like nietzsche called them uh afterworldsmen or backworldsmen right so this is uh you know people who are drawn into again this is a little bit Maybe philosophic, but it's worth listening to, oh, oh weeb listeners. Uh, this is a kind of uh, devilry from Plato, actually. So the the concept of the realm of forms, where there is this realm of ideals that is separate um, from our realm, gives birth to this wish of this other world, this isekai world that one could be whisked away from, or that one could potentially build. And the build bit, I think, is where the isekai bit, you know, they, they kind of touch. Because when, uh, and I had this impulse a little bit, particularly when I first started, right? Because I, uh, I recognized consciously that uh, one of the things that I did, let's say if I was playing a video game and make a character, I'd kind of make an ideal for myself, right? Like something I really would want to be. Um, and, you know, that's okay for just some fun and games, but the problem is when you start to make a habit out of it and then to start to think that you are, let's say, 
creating something of value and art and and then it becomes like a vice because it becomes a form of uh, let's say escapism right um so uh, I don't want to harp on too long, but had a conversation with Nate about art versus escapism versus propaganda. You kind of put those on a spectrum. And when you lean into that escapism, what you're doing fundamentally is you are um, trying to put your, you're, you're entering to Neverland, right? This is like the utopia is nowhere. That's where the name Neverland comes from oh weave listener please listen to this so um the the issue with isekai uh one of the issues that you brought up um uh, is just you're 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 essentially performing platonic sorcery creating for yourself a thing that doesn't exist and calling that perfection and then uh, worshiping that as your tower of babel does that sound does am i a crazy person captain so i think there's something to that um like many things, escapism is not just a vice. Escapism is a tool. And you just like any tool, it can be misused. That's any tool that humans have ever created. Escapist literature is one of those tools. And it is very easy to misuse escapist literature in that you are, instead of using it as a way of trying to figure out how you solve problems in the real world, to use it as a way of... Or hypothesize hypothetically going to a place where your problems aren't problems anymore or even more so in a lot of the modern stuff that the things that you that are problems in the one world are actually things that are um their virtues in the next and i think that is really damaging because it basically says oh yeah uh, my 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 failings my problems aren't really problems it's just the world that's a problem right and that's where you get into this, this defiance of reality. Because you have to create an internally inconsistent world for that to be the case. You can't have somebody be, um, pick, pick any failing, they, somebody to be greedy or cowardly or, um, or wrathful or anything like that. You can't pick any of these failings and create a world where they are virtues without it being an internally inconsistent world. The workings on that sentence that I just said are really long and it took me years to kind of figure out why like I understood intrinsically this was the case it took me years to figure out why and it, we could probably go on for hours about that but you can't create a you cannot create an internally consistent world of any kind where something that is that is a a bad thing to do here is a good thing to do there um because you essentially have to break something you have to, you know, you have to break a fundamental law that supersedes the laws of physics to do it. And you no know, amount of magic will solve this problem, right? It's not less of a murder because you have the magic to bring the person back to life afterwards. You still murdered them. And in fact, it might be considered worse if you do have the magic to bring them back to life afterwards. Because, you know, you're, if it's potentially worse in that you can keep killing them. and Right? It's, this is exactly the concept of, of somebody who's wrathful and doesn't have much control over themselves. Given the power to bring somebody back to life, what are they going to do? They're going to sit there and keep killing that person and then killing, you know, bring them back and kill them again a different way. Um, and Isekai does seem to focus on, uh, especially a lot of the stuff I've seen uh, lately, and I speak of people on minds, I will not name names though I could. Um, the Isekai that they tend to produce is where 
their obvious failings in the real world are things that endear them to the people of this other world that they go into. And it's just every problem they have is a solution to a problem in the other world. And it just sort of, it bends over backwards to make them win because they have these failings. And that's a very dangerous type of wish fulfillment. Um, yeah. I would say that that is potentially some of the most toxic and negative literature that's ever um, that includes everything bad you can think of. That's worse than woke literature. Um, <laughs> I would say that yeah. woke has an overlap, but that's worse than woke. Um, and I don't say that lightly because the woke stuff is really bad. Yeah, the woke stuff. Um, you know, I've seen sometimes where it's just overtly let here, let me shove you know, XYZ minority or LGBT, whatever in your face as a character that, you know, I put here for that reason, which can be annoying because, you know, they did it for a reason, but it's not so bad as, let's say, um, inverting a particular, yeah, inverting a particular theme. Uh, Captain, before I go on, uh, how much do we have a hard out or do, do you have a few more minutes? I don't have a hard out. I generally uh, schedule All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll 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 go on a bit then. So uh, I want to compare uh, two um, two isekai anime that um, I I actually have only watched through all the way one of them because it was good, and the other one um, I I tried. Uh, I actually what I did is funny thing uh, with a, with an ex girlfriend. I, I showed her the, the the good one. We watched it all the way through, and it was fun. It was enjoyable. And then I was like, okay, let's try to watch this other one that's notoriously bad. We got I think three or four episodes in, and just could not do it anymore. Uh, can you guess what those two um, anime are, Captain? I cannot, but my my tolerance for this stuff is really low to the point where um, <laughs> I automatically assume that if somebody recommends me an anime that it because i'm i think 10 for 10 on oh it's it's the best anime you'll like it uh recommendations and hating them so yeah if they have to recommend it to you and you don't already know what it is by osmosis it's probably not um but the the two anime i was compare i'm going to compare here and i think this is really useful for any weebs out there listening as well i'm going to keep saying that over and over and over again um so i'm going to compare dot hack sign to sword art online um, now maybe I'm. I've heard of one I'm of those, and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, this is why you haven't heard of Dot Hack Sign. So Dot Hack Sign is extremely slow paced. There's almost no action in it at all. The conceit is um, similar to Sword Art or Sword Art Online. There's one particular player um, stricken with amnesia and he cannot log out of this game, and. Um, he has to interact with other players. Uh, they're trying to figure out who he is and how he can be logged out. Um, all of these uh, other players also have real outside lives that come up quite a bit. Um, and you find out bit by bit that the reason why they're in this game is because of problems that they have in their outside lives. And we find out the reason, one of the reasons why the key uh, player Tsukasa can't log out um, has to do with um, a psychological trauma. So it turns out, and th this is kind of controversial, maybe we'll get stricken from YouTube. I hope so. I hope I am <laughs> notable enough to be stricken uh, for YouTube from noticing this. So Sukasa in the game 
is a male character. The truth is the player is a female character who's abused by her father and is playing the game as Tsukasa as a means of fleeing from her trauma. And the whole point of the anime is for her to figure out who she is and for her to be able to face the outside world again so she can log out. So the whole theme of this whole anime um, is all of these people have problems. They're going to the game to escape their problems. That doesn't make their problems go away. And by uh, each of them taking responsibility either for their own problems or helping each other outside of the game, they are able to overcome those issues and grow as people and then have a happy ending outside of the game, right? So this is like, it's, 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 that's, that's dot hack sign. So I haven't watched all through sword art online, uh, but what do you think of, uh, before I, I ramble on too long, what do you think of dot hack sign? Does that sound uh, different? Does that sound it, perhaps? It sounds like the sort of anime that a lot of these see and describe as weebs wouldn't like. Yeah, it has mixed reactions. Actually, a lot of people really don't like it because it's just, it's slow. It doesn't have any Moe girls. Um, I don't yeah. think there are, there are no uh, upskirt angle shots. Uh, the, and that you know. is one of the reasons why some of the recommendations I've been given, I stopped because clearly the teenage audience likes them for a particular reason. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, I won't name names, but there's a couple of them that are just horrible that I've been recommended that are just bad because they seem to be mostly bad. Yes, right. It's it it becomes um, not just indulgence, right? Because you know there's indulgence everywhere. Uh, but if I shift over to like Sword Art Online, the protagonist, um, what's his name, Kirito, I think. So he begins the story. I think he is. I don't think he starts out as like level ninety nine, but he basically or whatever their max level is. But he ascends to absolute power to the point where, early in the story, I'm pretty sure people are trying to hurt him, and his passive HP regen is faster than what other people can do to him, and he like takes on the big boss enemies all by himself and is immediately. Uh, in, you know, uh, is uh, he's not that he's endeared to. Uh, he has the the female lead is endeared to him essentially right away. Uh, and of course, she's like the 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 the, the big booby anime girl that they they always are. Um, and there's just no there's no virtue. And now they're also trapped in the game. They also can't log out. But the the problem really isn't that they can't log out because they have to add another problem which is that if you die in the game, you die in real life because of some contrived plot by some weirdo dude. You'll notice that difference. I didn't really think about it until I was saying it just now, but I think that's what, what the key difference is, right? So the problem isn't that Kirito does nothing but uh, lay in bed with a headgear on in a virtual world, basically uh, being the best guy in the metaverse, right? That's not presented as the co the conflict for the plot. What's presented as a conflict for the plot is that, oh no, death, death, which is an inevitable part of life that you actually should learn to face up to uh, because it's going to happen not only to you, but to all the people that you know. And so like 
maybe you should come to grips with it. No, no, no. The the problem with uh, is that death has been reintroduced to Neverland, and it's not called Neverland, obviously, but it's 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 essentially Neverland. So, um, for those of you weebs out there, that's that's what I would say. That's the difference between, would say. Um, it, it's not the isekai, I guess, in and of itself, but it is the um, the misuse of the escapism, uh, and, it, and it gets highlighted there. I will say I'm going to recommend two pieces of literature here that are both in the Western context, and describe them both as proto-isekais from the Western context, and they both do this in a way that's better. And one of them is possibly one of my favorite novels of all time, which is Gary Paulson's Transyl Saga. Um, Transyl Saga is about a guy who's, he's, he's an, I think he's actually an electrical engineer. He's just out hiking like an idiot by himself in the Arizona high desert somewhere. And he is struck by lightning and transported into this alternate world where his skills as an engineer are downright useless. They're not entirely useless. He learns some, that some of the things he knows and can be used for do become useful. But initially, he's just like adopted by this village of people. And basically, he just kind of uses the fact that he's somewhat bigger than them because he's got a modern physique instead of a, you know, this sort of almost almost dwarf physique that these people have because they have much less healthy diet. That he's big and strong, so he does tasks that they require him strong even though in in earth context he's not big and strong he's just tall um and he you know the whole point of the story is not that his problems um make him better in this world it's that the things he learned on earth um are actually better they better the world he's in but it takes him a long time to realize how to do that um and there's a really really uh good couple of action scenes in there that are very the stakes are very very well done um and if you don't know the author's name sounds familiar um, in most of america you were forced to read the novel hatchet um in middle school it's the same author uh, gary paulson is the author um very good um but the other one i mention is where i'm going to say that th this one is going to be one that i think a lot more people will take me up on if they if there are weeps listening the novel is from the 80s it's called kilobyte uh, by Piers Anthony. If you don't know Piers Anthony, he is uh, known for being, as you said, indulgent with his descriptions of things and people. Um, there aren't necessarily sex scenes, but people's sexuality is very much on the face because he was, you know, coming into his own as a writer in the late 70s when that thing, stuff was going on. Um, in Kilobyte, it's basically, uh, I, I've always thought that the basic plot of Sword Art Online was stolen from Kilobyte. Um, you've got these people in a, in a virtual reality game, more or less, um, and there's nothing stopping them from logging out, at least at first. They, they're a bunch of people sort of meet each other, and they're solving these adventures, in, and they all have their own problems in life. Your, your, uh, your two main characters, uh, your male and your female lead, um, the, male is actually, the male lead is actually crippled. Um, he's, uh, he just went through a divorce where... Um, for some reason, his, his ex-wife ran him over with a car um, and, and in, during the process of the divorce, and um, he's, his legs are totally, totally destroyed. Um, and he's playing this game because he's basically on medical leave, can't do his job, and he was a police officer. He's, he just doesn't know what else he's going to do. Um, the female lead is um, not, she's just sort of an outcast, and even in her own family, and she's not, you know, 
basically nothing ever goes right in her life and uh they there is that element of somebody gets control of the game and tries to to kill them using the headsets that they're wearing and they have to figure out how to defeat that um but it's done in a way where they have to overcome their problems the the problems they have in life don't help them in the game they hurt them and they have to come together to overcome their problems and their um their uh their their lack of confidence in themselves and their lack of confidence in um in you know in each other to um to succeed and it's a very it's a very interesting novel i think people over there on the other side of the pacific were were reading it um before sword of online was released um but that's just me uh, of course sword of online is not not good by comparison unfortunately um but these are examples of this sort of literature this escapism done in a way where the um the protagonist is not having their bad choices and their bad elements reinforced and i think that's kind of the main problem that a lot of this stuff has is uh, a lot of these people are looking for a world that they're good the good and bad they'll reinforce everything about them that they like and it's the sad truth the reality is that you aren't going to like everything about you that you like isn't good and you aren't going to like all the good things about you. and a good novel or a good film or a good animated series will kind of hint at that and hint at the concept of character growth uh and a lot of these people just have never consumed any content that has that and nor are they particularly interested in it so um yeah I, my and I'll, I'll kind of uh point this out even when i posted my weeb is always wrong or done the rounds and has earned plenty of downvotes and negative comments over the over some time um my recommended solution for any weeb who's stuck in weebery and doesn't want to be a weeb for the rest of their lives go and read some real books please it will help audiobook i don't care how find some good high quality books that actually say something about human nature and learn something take some of those narrative tools in your head that are positive instead of the negative ones you get from this trashy anime because every one of those negative tools you have in your head is holding you back and you need to outnumber them it's the only way so go read trust me it helps it helps a lot it's just, it's the equivalent of doing like push-ups right that's the way i think of it or squats so um and i really mean that um one of the things that let me uh progress beyond you know a kid who played video games and watched too much anime was that i decided i would be cool if i could read hard books because it would make me feel smart it was entirely out of that sense of vanity um but it the motivation kind of didn't matter the truth is if you engage with things that are deep um and difficult then you will grow as a person and then if you want to learn to write well then you that's perfect because now you have a perfect example of or maybe not a perfect example but at least a better example of you know what uh what good storytelling looks like in the written form um what virtues it lauds what a virtue is in regard to the plot um i wanted to throw a story in there as well uh this one isn't exactly it's it's like isekai adjacent so um i'm sure a lot of people have heard of it uh, the dream quest for unknown kadoth by hp lovecraft um it, it takes yeah oh did it well i it, it, it did. I, I yeah it's my, one of my favorites from lovecraft and i wrote like this whole massive paper in grad school on it um and so I, I, it's always at the forefront of my mind. Uh, well, I, well, listeners, if you heard it last time, you're going to hear it again. Um, it's it's a really great story because you have um, 
think his name is Randolph Carter, and he's in this magical dream world. But his, uh, we don't really know his flaws as a character, but they're definitely not fixed when he goes to this dream world because he's basically helpless. Um, and moreover, uh, to spoil the ending, so we can jump forward like 30 seconds or something if you don't want to have it spoiled. But the big theme is him recognizing that this golden paradise world that he's seeking in a dream, so in the fantasy world, we could say, is actually his hometown. Like the the paradise is the actual real world. You just it was you, oh Randall Carter, or oh, oh reader, or oh, weeb, who didn't realize that actually um, the real real life is where all your happiness and meaning is, and you can't just you know write your way into fantasy escapism um, into into oblivion. I guess you can, if in the same way that you could like. Uh, Overdose on heroin uh, uh, <laughs> from Wheeling, uh, West Virginia, oh, listeners. So we see quite a lot of that on a regular basis. Uh, all right, Captain, uh, is, I was oh, is there something one more thing say? while you were talking about DreamQuest? Um, I like that story. Um, one other thing I'll point out is this isn't so popular anymore, but um, especially when it, one of my other favorite bits of literature, especially targeted at young kids and especially young boys is the Chronicles of Narnia. And what the Chronicles of Narnia do is they have that isekai. But the is you will learn quickly as you go through those that it's not the the world the other world isn't a place where your flaws are fixed. Or it's not a place where your flaws are gone. It's a place where you go to confront your flaws and to grow as a person. And they come back as better people to the real world. And that is a healthy view of escape. I mentioned before it's a tool. That's the tool being used correctly. The fiction is a place for you to go in your head to confront your flaws through a fictionalized context and to start doing something to get past them. That's what it's for. And any fiction that isn't helping you do that isn't helping you. And that's not to say that it's necessarily bad, but it's at least a waste of time. So be very careful about your media diet because everything you read is going into your head and it's becoming part of you and everything you watch and everything you listen to better make it good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a fairly good place to wrap up. I did want to give one more little anime anecdote for the weebs out there. Uh, I think it plays off of what you just said. So this, um, if if you've listened this far and you haven't gotten the impression that I've watched like too much anime and that like I'm one of you trying to rehabilitate my fellows, like this is like uh, Weebs Anonymous right now, except that we're not anonymous. Uh, <laughs> and Captain is is just a visitor. Uh, but I wanted to give this example because it it actually uh, shook me really badly as a kid in a good way. It got me to think about life in such a way that I think this this perhaps helped along with the martial arts and the Confucianism and as part of that helped to get me to accept that you do need to confront the hardships of life. You do need to cultivate good character and discipline, right? Uh, it's a scene of an, uh, what's now an old anime that I haven't seen, but I, that looks like they've horrifically remade it uh, as Trigun. Um, I, don't, I don't trust whatever terrible computer animation remake they've made um I, I i know enough that he's shooting 22 instead of 45 long colt 
and that enough is enough to offend me away from it. Um, but there's a scene in that anime, late in the anime, again, a bit of a spoiler. There's two brothers. Uh, they're basically the hostile brothers. Um, and Vash is the protagonist. His brother's name is Knives. He's a bad guy, by the way, if you can't tell by his name. And they're in this planetarium. And there's a bush, and on the bush is a spider web and a spider on that web. And Vash is like this hyper-pacifist. He really believes in a world where no one hurts each other, uh, and he's heavily influenced by his surrogate mother. So you could say he's got too much of his mother's influence in him, which is to say if you had a devouring mom and you failed to launch because maybe you had a devouring single mom like I did, um, then you think that there can be this perfect world where there's no hardships, where bad things and suffering don't have to happen. Well, on that web lands a butterfly. And Vash is very distraught because he sat there watching this spider creep toward the butterfly. And his brother Knives walks over. Seeing his brother's distraught crushes the spider. Vash is very, very distraught and upset about this. And they get into a fist fight, basically. And uh, Knives is like, what the hell, man? Look, if I save all the butterflies... The spider is going to starve. Um, or I could kill the spider. And Vash says to him, like, I wanted to save them both. Knives, actually rightly in this case, um, before he gets corrupted, uh, says, look, you can't save them both. And what I took, what I eventually took from that, um, you know, seeing that when I was uh, probably in middle school, um, is that actually, you know, in real life, you actually can't solve them, save them both. It never happens. Like Vash never figures out and and ends up having to accept that you can't you can't bring forward the, the perfect utopia where everything is just great and you don't have any problems. It's like, yeah, there's gonna be things you don't like in your life. And for you weebs out there, uh, particularly if you watch older anime that might actually have some, you know, good deep messages for you, pay more attention to that. Read better books. Um don't write bad books. Don't go into Discord servers and torture Captain all day long, every day, so he doesn't have to write any more of these goddamn blog posts, all right? Uh, is there anything else you want to say, Captain? I will say this. If, 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 you're, if you do go to a writing group, do what your favorite book is. Name a book without pictures. If you can't, don't go to a writing group. I don't... Why do I have to say this? This sounds like it shouldn't be, need to be said, but it does. If you haven't read any books without pictures, don't go and talk with other writers. You will not have a good time. Sorry. No, that was great. And with that, with that being said, uh, let's let's roll through the quick outro. So thank you for listening. Um, I'm gonna have my Kickstarter on like a pre-done outro, so we'll go harp on on that. But again, you can you can help support me there at my website wildislelit.com. I have my editing service. Uh, I have my novels there. Uh, if you're interested in some of the Eastern philosophy I talked about, I blog about it regularly. I uh, put out a post once a week. I have a big, huge, gigantic backlog. Uh, you can explore that as well. Um, and of course, you can find Captain Michael, also known as Eternus, um, over on Minds. I'm going to link it below if you're watching this on um, YouTube uh, or on SoundCloud. Um, and uh, anything else you want to show or anywhere you want to send people, Captain? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um... Hopefully, uh, people got something useful out of this meandering discussion of why the weave is wrong. Uh, hopefully, we've convinced some people that the weave is, in fact, always wrong and that no, there are no exceptions. 
Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, weebs. Uh, please leave all your hate in the comments, and we will see you next time.